Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, this week's episode is all about food. We're going to be discussing the top-rated quick service and table service restaurants and all the Disney theme parks, and which ones are our favorite and which ones that we haven't been to, but that we would most like to visit. Yes, very excited about this episode. All right, but before we get into that, I want to touch on the Disney news of the week. So this past week down in Orlando was Destination D23, which occurs on the off years of the full out D23 Expo. So this is uh, one that they have in Orlando. It's a little bit smaller, uh, but nonetheless, we got a lot of news out of there. The thing with the news is Disney announced a lot of stuff was either coming back or going to be opening, but they didn't really give specific dates. Basically, everything was, hey, 2022, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, uh, but not necessarily really concrete specific dates. And my guess is they did this because with the past year and a half, every date kind of got pushed back anyways, that maybe now they're a little bit gun shy in terms of saying when something's going to open. Because even if you look at Remy, it was going to be March, then it was October. I think they're now just trying to say, hey, vaguely, 2022, you're going to get this, uh, and we'll get a date when we get a date. There's a certain power to the to being vague there because, you know, like you said, if if, if they fall a little behind or they can't find people to do the work, which I'm, sh- I'm wondering if that is maybe even part of the problem, they at least have some leeway and they don't have those hard due dates. Yeah, that's a good point, too. And then with the celebration happening, again, it's kind of vague. People are not sure when something's going to come out. So uh, it's not like people are planning and then upset that, you know, the attraction they wanted to see uh, isn't open. But what Disney announced at the Destination uh, D23 event is that the Festival of Fantasy Parade will be returning to Walt Disney World. So Uh, Again, this is a parade coming back. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Disneyland Paris having a parade and kind of being the first Disney park back with a parade. And it seemed like, you know, this past year, Paris would get things first. Like they got paid fast passes. They had, uh, I'm not sure if they were the first ones with fireworks, but it seems like they were getting a lot of events that then would come to the U.S. park. So we talked about, we wonder if parades will be coming back to the U.S. park soon. So this is confirmation that the Festival Fantasy Parade will at least be coming back to Walt Disney World again sometime in 2022. Super excited to see the parade again, but what I'm most excited about is the fact that Fantasmic is going to be returning. We're going to get some new scenes centered around Moana and some other characters. So this is so exciting. Yeah, I know you've been talking about this for a while that You've been waiting for Fantasmic to return, you know, as we were talking about the new nighttime shows um, from our recent trip. You even mentioned that, like, hey, these are great, but Fantasmic is almost like the best show there now. You can't wait for that to come back to Hollywood Studios. So you're right. It is returning to both Hollywood Studios and Disneyland. They did mention some new scenes. They're going to pull in some more uh, modern movies in there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what the new show looks like uh, whenever it reopens. I can't wait, but I'm sure they'll do a good job with it. And I mean, I know that they have been making efforts to get some of the new characters into the park. So I do look forward to seeing that incorporation into Fantasmic. Yeah. And, and like we talked about, I think Fantasmic, like you said, is maybe the best you know nighttime entertainment now because it's the one with the most coherent story Yeah, out, out of all of them. And it, it's very clearly portrayed and the shows that have a clear story you know, do tend to be best. Even with Kite Tales, the Lion King Kite Tales is the better of the two Kite Tales because it is a very clear story 
versus just a few songs from the Jungle Book. Now, I wonder if they're going to build Moana's ship. I didn't even think about this. It's on water. This would be so cool if they built her little tiny raft and, uh, you know, got a real chicken or something that looked like hey, well, hey. They could have an animatronic <laughs> chicken. They have some animatronics on there. Yeah, no, you it could, would look you could really do something cool. like that. Yeah, but. I think so. Uh, no, no real chickens. Uh, but I think that a little hey, hey on the ship would be fantastic. Yeah, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that as well. You could have Moana and Maui on the ship. Then they also announced that Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout will be opening in the summer of 2022, along with the second Avengers Campus over at Disneyland Paris. That will be opening in summer 2022 as well. And then I think the <clears throat> and then on top of so all of those were so all of those were things that we already knew about. We knew that Disney had in the works. I guess Fantasmic, the new scenes we didn't maybe necessarily know about, but it's not like it's a whole new show. Um, but everything else, we knew Guardians was coming eventually. We knew, you know, they're building an Avengers campus. So a lot of this stuff, it's just, hey, it's, it's coming in 2022. One thing they didn't mention was Tron. So I don't know if that means Tron is now going to be pushed to 2023. You know, maybe Guardians is the 2022 um, attraction at Disney World, and then Tron's 2023. But the one thing they did announce that uh, kind of was unknown before this is that now Magic Bands are finally coming to Disneyland. So the yeah, this was a surprise. Yeah, so the Magic Band Plus that they d announced uh, maybe a month or two ago that's going to be coming to Walt Disney World, kind of the next evolution of Magic Band uh, that's going to be sometime in 2022 where it's going to interact with the 50th anniversary statues and it's going to light up as part of the fireworks shows. That version will be coming to Disneyland as well. So Disneyland has never had Magic Bands you know, there's been a lot of talk that it really didn't fit the parks. You know, they didn't necessarily maybe have the infrastructure, um, but it seems like Disney is now investing in that and is moving forward um, with having magic bands. And I think, you know, that also maybe goes to show of how they're trying to make Disneyland more of a resort destination like they mm -hmm. are at Walt Disney World. And so you're going to have your magic bands over there as well. So that's, I think, pretty exciting news because that's a, you know, a major change. And it also goes to show that, Magic bands aren't dead. I think a lot of people thought magic bands were getting <laughs> phased out because everything was going on the app. Um, mm -hmm. But it seems like, no, Disney is still kind of investing in this technology, at least in its new form at all the U.S. parks. I'm of two minds about it. it. It is nice because you might not have to carry a wallet now with you to the park if you're a local. So I think that would be fun. But I guess technically you should have your license on you. Um, but still, I think that that could kind of I find carrying a purse anywhere is a huge and annoying inconvenience. So I think that being able to put, you know, at least my ability to purchase food and merch on something, I think that even if I lived locally in California, I would appreciate that. And I think it's, you know, giving them a little love that they haven't gotten a chance to get. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I think a lot of people will appreciate. I think they'll sell a lot of them and they'll enjoy it. Yeah, it is, it is an interesting move because over at Disneyland, you know, when we've traveled there, um, the two times we've been there, they do have the Disneyland mobile app and your tickets are on there. You can pay from there. You have your fast passes on there. So the app over at Disneyland very much works like a magic band would. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, they still do have paper tickets for a lot of things as well. So you have paper or on the app. Um, so I do wonder what the adoption rate will be like, because I think probably a lot of people, especially locals that go, are probably used to using the app on their phone. Um, I, again, I, I see this as more 
to your point, one, there's probably is, is a large contingent of people, the locals that probably would like the magic bands. You have some interactivity. But I, I do see this as a way to kind of entice people and make it a little bit easier that if you're used to going to Walt Disney World a lot, it makes it then more familiar as you go to Disneyland. Because we, we've talked about this a little bit that the planning process over at Disneyland isn't necessarily as seamless if you're traveling from out of town as it is for booking a trip down in Walt Disney World. And I think the more they can make the experience similar and more what you're used to. So if you're used to magic bands, now you have magic bands. It's not like, oh, there's no magic bands. You have to have paper tickets, you know, all of this stuff. It just makes it easier for people to uh, that are used to going to Walt Disney World to book a trip and have a better experience over at Disneyland because, again, they have big expansion plans over there, and they're obviously trying to draw more you know, non-locals and outside people to travel over there. And so I think they're just trying to make that experience as seamless as possible. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good point. All right, that wraps up the news for the week. So let's jump into our main topic. Uh, and like we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show, it's going to be all about food this week. So I went on to the touringplans.com website to get the rankings. You know, I looked at Yelp. I looked at uh, like TripAdvisor. And there's not necessarily a great way to just find all of the Disney restaurants. So you can kind of type in Walt Disney World. But you get a lot of stuff that is not Walt Disney World related. I think on Yelp, it was showing me Disneyland restaurants as oh, well geez. mixed in. And I'm like, they're nowhere near each other. So this isn't that helpful. Yeah. But Touring Plans uh, has rankings for all of the restaurants and they're all user driven. So basically touring plans users can go on and say, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down uh, on a restaurant. And so we went through and pulled the top five quick service and table service restaurants at each of the parks. We're going to run through them quickly and maybe not talk about them all in detail, but then talk about which ones are our favorites? And some of our favorites, at least mine, aren't even on the list. Right. Yeah. I mean, I went through a lot of these and even just looked at the top one or two that we haven't been to and checked out their menus just because I was like, whoa, if people are so satisfied with them, what do they serve? So I'll probably throw a couple like of that, like those that information in there too, in case you're like, oh, I've never been there. What do they have? Yeah. So we thought it'd be a good episode for two reasons. One of what you're saying it gives us <laughs> new places to, to try to eat. You know, to find that, that we want to try like out for favorite, our next time. Favorite part of Disney World, exactly. Right there. <laughs> uh, and second, you know, food is a big thing, and so for a lot of our listeners, I mean, there's a lot of these restaurants I'd not heard of before. So maybe it kind of piques your interest, and you know, next trip you have some new restaurants that you want to try out. Absolutely. All right, so let's start with Animal Kingdom. So, quick service. The top five quick service restaurants are Sully Canteen, Creature Comforts, Flame Tree Barbecue. Tamu Tamu Refreshments, and the Harambe Market. Now, I will say this. This is a common theme here, but the Creature Comforts is a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. So so like the number two quick service at Animal Kingdom is a Starbucks. Yeah. And I say it's a common theme because there are many more Starbucks on this list. Yeah, there's a lot of like undercover Starbucks, you know, because they're not called just Starbucks, even though they carry all of and operate just like a Starbucks would. So it is kind of funny because I, when I was looking through this too, I'm like, oh, that's a cute name. What does this place serve? Oh, it's a Starbucks. Starbucks so yeah. yeah. I may be talking for you here, but I think you'll agree with me on this. My <laughs> favorite, and I think your favorite, is on this list, and it's Sully Canteen. I was going to say, any listener of the show knows we love Sully Canteen. Yeah, Sully Canteen is definitely the top place uh, I think you can go in Animal Kingdom for quick service. We don't even mess around with any of these other places. Like, we... 
look forward to going to Suli Canteen because we are both so satisfied every time we go. You know, Joe and I don't eat anything that's remotely similar. Well, that's the thing. You can customize it. So right. so it's it's noodle bowls, but you get to pick your protein. You get to pick the sauce. You get to pick kind of what sides and toppings you have. And so you can really customize it for very different flavor palettes. And it's not even just noodle bowls. It could be noodle, you could do rice, or you could do a salad. So, I mean, it basically cover runs the gamut. So if you don't want noodles and you want oh i need some brown rice or i want some salad i it is very very adjustable and it kind of is to the point where it's like if you don't like what you got it's kind of your fault because it's so you you pick everything yeah i think the other thing with it too is it's very themed so it's in pandora it does have an alien otherworldly type feel and I feel like very often when there's new lands or Disney tries to incorporate food into lands, it, it tends to still roll back into traditional theme park fare, where this has very much stayed what it was. I mean, they use the the boba from like the the boba tea, you know, mm-hmm. added to give it like you know again an otherworldly feel. Yeah, and it's it's non traditional food that you're not going to get anywhere else in the park. But it really works there. And so I think that is that helps elevate it uh, as well. One final thing is everything I've ever had there has been wonderful. I've ordered rice there. I've had like chicken there. Their chicken was amazing. And then when I became a vegetarian, their tofu is amazing. I've done the noodles. I've done the salad. I mean, everything is very, very well done. I've never been disappointed when I've, I've ordered food there. So that's, I mean, that's pretty impressive to do all of that stuff and do it well. If you've never checked it out, please do that. Yeah, definitely. Now, I will say, from looking at this list, I learned something. The Tamu Tamu refreshments, because I said, oh, what is this? I wonder you know, what this is. They actually have Dole Whips there. So if you want to get a Dole <laughs> Whip and you're at Animal Kingdom, head over to Tamu Tamu refreshments. Uh, you can get Dole Whips. They af- actually have a Simba Sunrise, which is a Dole Whip with watermelon, strawberry, and coconut-flavored syrup, which actually sounds delicious. I did not know that existed. So that's definitely something I want to try next time we go. Yeah, I I didn't know about this either. And then you told me, well, anything, you know, anything themed The Lion King, I'm going to want to be all over. So uh, I think that this would be really yummy. And I think we did have watermelon Dole Whip um, when we went to Disney Springs Springs, the one time. right. Right. And I think I really enjoyed that watermelon Dole Whip. I think it was swirled with what, lime? I think it was lime. Yeah, it was really delicious. So I'd love to try this. Moving on to table service. So there's actually only... A four table service restaurants on here. So there's only four on here, but there's Yak and Yeti, Tiffin's, Tusker House, and then the Rainforest Cafe, which is kind of just outside Animal Kingdom. So for me, you know, it's been a while since we've been to Yak and Yeti. I think Yak and Yeti uh, does have like a really solid menu there. I think that one probably has the widest variety of food so it's listed as pan asian um so it's heavily asian influenced but there's also a lot of uh, kind of american food you can still get like cheeseburgers and stuff as well right. so well my I, my sister just went and we recommended yak and yeti to them and she has two kids so i and she said that they really enjoyed it and they thanked us for recommending it so yeah it, it is it is good for pretty much everyone in your family yeah and that's my point too so i think that's a definitely a solid option because Again, it can fit kind of a wide variety of palettes. So that is definitely up there for me. But you know, recently we went to Tusker House and we did a character breakfast there. And I think 
one, that's really great because it's a character breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. So they had a lot of great food there. Um, they have that like guava juice um, that they serve oh that goodness. I know you love so much, Angela. So good. So for me, you know, I would say between those two, you can't really go wrong. I'm going to lean towards Tusker House just because we have been there more recently and it's been some time since we've been to Yak and Yeti. So I don't know that I would say like that's my go-to one. Like I, I would definitely go back and do another character meal um, over at Tusker House. And then definitely Tiffin's as we've not had a chance to try, but that's definitely on our list. And I don't think you can go wrong because it's connected to the Nomad Lounge. Right. So you get the bread service there. Um, they have Gobi Manchurian, which is yeah. basically deep fried cauliflower in like a spicy sauce. And it's delicious. Um, I've never had it there, but I've had it at a local restaurant. So I would love to try it there. You know, out of all of these, I would probably also maybe pick Tusker House. And the reason why it's pretty much the exact same as Joe. Also, I remember when we went to the Yak and Yeti, I almost and it's been a long, long time, but I I feel like the food there reminded me so much of Sully Canteen that it's almost like, well, you could probably get a very similar dish at Sully Canteen, probably for less because it's not you know, cause it's a quick serve. So I think that maybe going for something a little different, I think that Tusker house is nice. And then buffets are always fun just because you can kind of pick and choose what you're feeling for the day. Or if you want to pick and choose everything, which is more the philosophy that I abide by, then you can do that too. Yeah. And I believe right now, again, cause buffets a little iffy, type yeah. thing, I believe they bring you the food. So it's still kind of like all you care to eat. I think that's what Disney's doing with a lot of the buffets now, instead of it's all you can eat, it's all you care to eat yeah and they'll kind of bring it to you so you have that as well i will say uh, a tip on yak and yeti they're actually run by landry's who owns a lot of other restaurants so if you're a member of like the landry's rewards or i think if you have landry's gift cards you can um, get additional discounts on your meal at yak and yeti Hmm. um so it's you know it's within disney but there's a lot of restaurants within disney that are actually operated uh, by other restaurants groups and yak and yeti is one of them run by landry so just kind of a tip for anybody there who's maybe a landry's member so moving on over to epcot we're going to start with the quick service so you're and i will let you read these names because the first one's french and i know there's I, i looked at it i plan to read it i looked at it and i said i have no idea how to say this and so I'm going to let you take. I, I the would French love one. to hear you try. Would love to hear you try. I'm, I have no clue, so I'm going to I'm going to let you go with okay. it. Okay, yeah, I, I'm probably going to butcher it too. I can but... I can say last word patisserie. I got that part. So the patisserie. <laughs> so we have Le Hall Boulangerie Patisserie. That's very good. That's much better than I would have gotten. <laughs> Yorkshire County Fish Shop, Kringla Bakery, Og Cafe, Refreshment Port, and. Regal Eagle, Smokehouse, Craft Drafts, and Barbecue. Which, by the way, that's a mouthful, but I do very much appreciate the Craft Drafts back-to-back. So my favorite place out of these, which also would be probably the only one that I've ever tried, is the Boulangerie, which has basically all of your favorite French desserts. Um, And then also there are little sandwiches and quick bites there as well. And I know Joe got a really good croissant there. And everything's so light and airy and delicious. And I, very, you could drop a pretty penny there because there were so many things that looked really delicious. The issue with Epcot is there are always, there's always so much that you can eat and you can try that it's hard to find enough stomach space to eat everything that looks great. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with this list is that 
this does not factor in any of the festival booths because they change yeah. depending on what festival you're at. So this is kind of just the permanent quick service establishments there. So I think what you're getting at there is when you're going, you're typically stopping at a variety of festival booths yes. as your kind of quick service. So you're not really eating at a lot of these quick service places. I agree with you, the patisserie, especially if you're looking for desserts. I mean, they have you covered. Um, you know, there, and that's definitely a, a great place to go. For me, I have kind of two favorite quick service options. One is on this list, one is not. So the one that's on this list is the Yorkshire County Fish Shop. They have great fish and chips. Um, I love that it's quick service. You can, you know, Rose and Crowns, you know, table service, not necessarily looking for a, you know, a sit down place. You're not a big, you know, pub type food person. Mm-mm. I'm not necessarily either. I love fish and chips though. And they have really good fish and chips there. Plus, they have that seating right there on the lagoon by the water. Um, so that that's kind of one of my top places. My other uh, favorite quick service option, and I think this is a good option because they have such a variety of food, is Sunshine Seasons. And this is in the Living with the Land Pavilion. It's actually made up of kind of a couple different spots down there. But it's good because you can get a variety of food. So again, if you have a large group of people that maybe have different tastes, Everybody can get something. It's kind of a bit of a food court, so maybe the atmosphere isn't the best, but you can get, you know, chicken, turkey sandwiches, they have soups, pizza. salads. Yeah, I think pizza sometimes dessert. So it's a great option to go to. Um, I know I have like I've had salmon and rice there before with like green beans that was like really good. So I mean, again, it's not necessarily just, you know, burgers, fries type thing. I mean, it's a little bit more elevated than that in terms of quick service. And then plus you get to sit there right by living with the land. Um, which is always great. So <laughs> so that one's not on the list of the top five, but for me, those would be the two um, that I would go to. Moving over to table service at Epcot, we have Tapan Ido, the Garden Grill Restaurant, uh, Via Napoli, Rose and Crown, which we mentioned, and Le Crepere de Paris. Not bad. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, for me on this, I think the, uh, the Crepere would be the best option. Now, we did not eat at the table service version of this. We did the the window yeah. version of this one, but the crepes were delicious. So for me, out of this list, that's the one we have eaten at. So I think that would definitely be my go-to. Le Cellier, I think, is probably our favorite yeah. sit-down restaurant. Yes. That is kind of just outside the top five here. Um, so I think if you're looking for a good steakhouse within Epcot, you cannot go wrong with La Cellier. Yeah, for me, La Cellier isn't... It's not my favorite because it's a steakhouse. I've, you know, years ago, whenever I had a steak there, I wasn't particularly impressed with it, but I think that they really shine on their sides. They have really good Brussels sprouts. They have great bread service. And then also they have poutine, which I think is amazing. And it's not something that I particularly eat or find around where we live. So I always look forward to going there and to getting that. Yeah. Now, if you're looking for a very expensive steak, so I looked this up. So Tapan Ido, which is uh, over in Japan. So it's a <laughs> Japanese food and very highly rated. I believe it's the number one rated table service in Epcot. But they they have a you know steak and some other things. But they have a four ounce Japanese Wagyu. So if you ever wanted to try that, four ounces, that's not much, but it's $90. <laughs> so oh if you ever gosh. wanted to check that out, if you ever want to try Japanese Wagyu, um, you can head over there. It actually sounded pretty good. They had a you know, pretty good menu. 
Um, I think a place I'd like to try. And definitely have heard a lot of great things about the pizza over at Via Napoli. Probably want to try that as well. I was going to say, I think we covered that they ship in water from Pennsylvania because it's the most like Naples uh, water. So I, definitely I mean, dedicated the, the level of detail that they, they pay attention to to try to, you know, correctly simulate pizza from Italy is impressive. Yeah, totally. All right, moving over to Hollywood Studios. So the quick service restaurants over there, we have Ronto Roasters, Docking Bay 7, which I, I find interesting that the two quick service uh, establishments in Galaxy's Edge are the top two on this list. Then we have the Trolley Car Cafe, which is another Starbucks. Yep. <laughs> which, again, I think that goes to show you something, too, that in multiple parks, the some of the top-rated quick service restaurants are Starbucks. I think if you're Disney, you got to look at that as not good, you know, because if you're trying to make themed, you know, restaurants and trying to have a great guest experience, the fact that Starbucks is regularly beating you in multiple parks multiple times has to be a little bit frustrating. But but the Trolley Car Cafe uh, is number three. You have Woody's Lunchbox and the Backlot Express. Yeah, I think out of all of these, you know, Ronto Roasters, I've never really wanted to eat at i don't know what it is about it and i know that you kind of looked up their menu and they have zuki wrap at ronto roasters which has like grilled zucchini and chickpeas and onions and garlic and tahini like basically all the stuff that i regularly enjoy eating so um i think the next time we go down there i definitely want to check that one out yeah ronto roasters i think is very similar to Sully canteen in that it's, it's kind of a, a different food option, so it's wraps, but you have a variety of options. So kind of, you know, the wrap is your base, but then you have different either proteins or vegetables in it. So you can, again, kind of customize it for different palates. Like you said, they have, you know, a good veggie one with a lot with, with, you know, zucchini and chickpeas and kind of some of the other, other ingredients. But, you know, if that's not your taste, they have chicken ones right, and, you know, exactly. meat ones and, and other options there as well. So I kind of see that as almost, you know, Sully Canteen did well in Pandora. And so they you know, did something for Galaxy's Edge, but they did it with wraps. Yeah, exactly. And then we've also, you know, eating, we've eaten at the Backlot Express. I know that I think the last trip or maybe two trips ago that we were there, we ate there a couple times because I insisted on going back. I loved their Southwest salad. I thought it was delicious. It was really well together, like put together. It was fresh. And sometimes, you know, whenever you're on vacation like that, you kind of get sick of eating like the fried, like greasy foods, or you just need something that's light. And that was a really great option. So uh, yeah, I think that, you know, Hollywood Studios, for being kind of one of the smaller parks where there's not as much to do in it, they have some really good food options. Yeah, Hollywood Studios definitely has good food options. I saved Magic Kingdom for last because I feel like it's the weakest yes. in terms of food options. Absolutely. Uh, but you're right. Hollywood Studios definitely has good options. For me, I agree with you. The Backlot Express, I think, is a great quick service restaurant, like you said. They have uh, some good salads, fresh foods. Again, sometimes, like you said, you're looking for something maybe a little bit quote unquote healthier. I'm not yeah. sure how healthy you can really eat in a theme park, but sometimes you're looking for something a little bit healthier for me. And it's not on this list uh, as well as the ABC commissary. I've eaten there a few times uh, and always had a great experience. I think they've had you know a good variety of food. I know their menu has changed throughout the year. So it's been a few years since I've been there. So I'm not sure you know, how much of the menu is still the same, or maybe it's gone downhill a little bit. And that's why it's not 
uh, in the top five here. But I've definitely always had good experiences there and think that is uh, another solid option as well um, You know, if you're looking for, for a place to eat. And then in terms of the table service over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and I think this is kind of, to your point, there's maybe not a lot of rides, but they definitely do themed restaurants really well. Yes, they do. Because if, if you see this top five list, they're all very highly themed, kind of very specific restaurants. So you have the Hollywood Brown Derby, 50s Primetime Diner, Maba Melrose's Ristorante Italiano, the Sci-Fi Dining Theater, and Hollywood and Vine. So again, very themed, you know, sci-fi dining theater, you're in cars, watching old uh, sci-fi movies. Uh, the 50s primetime diner is, you know, everything's the 1950s. They have kind of like old old school TVs and it's kind of like comfort foods of, you know, meatloaf and mashed potatoes, gravy, like those type of things. And then you, you have kind of your more upscale restaurants like Hollywood Brown Derby, Hollywood and, and Vine. So really a lot of detail, uh, you know, in here and a lot of great options uh, for you to choose from. Hollywood Brown Derby, when I looked at their menu, I think I was probably the most impressed because they hit for me on a couple different like hit like a couple different boxes of mine. They have a wild mushroom risotto and they also have Brussels sprouts with bacon and brown butter. So I know that that is, you know, it, whenever you add bacon to Brussels sprouts, it always makes them like a million percent better. Kind of miss that. And then they also have baked Alaska, uh, which, you know what, if I'm, if I'm honest, uh, I really just want to try this because I've ta- heard about it a million times on British Bake Off and Paul Hollywood talks about it. So I really want to try this dessert. So yeah, I think that it, I mean, I would love to get pretty much all three of those minus the bacon part because I think that that would be amazing, like a really delicious meal. Yeah. And again, the Hollywood Brown Derby is probably the, I don't want to say highest quality, um, but probably the upper, more upper scale, higher end restaurant because, you know, they have oysters there. So, I mean, you mentioned kind of all those dishes, but they, you can get oysters, they have charcuterie boards and, and fillets and things. So it's yeah. definitely not going to be a cheap meal, No, you know, if you're going there, but if you are looking for kind of a, a more upper scale, um, experience when you're at Hollywood studios uh, and you you know have a little extra money you want to splurge a little bit on a meal the Hollywood Brown Derby <laughs> we're talking about is Disney the way to go. here we're talking about Disney here does anybody have extra money while well, they're at true. Disney <laughs> yeah if you want to splurge more than like $15 on a hamburger so if that's not splurging <laughs> enough for you and you want to go for you know $50 plus fillet and get some you know charcuterie board and things you know the Hollywood Brown Derby uh, is a good option you know, I, again, it's not a place we've had the chance to try, but like you said, they have a lot of great items on the menu. You know, I have no people that have gone there. I've heard great things about it. So it's definitely a place we're looking forward to trying. But I really think, you know, it depends what you're looking for um, at these places, um, like the sci-fi drive-in theater. Again, the, the food is is okay there. Yes. But it has great atmosphere. Yeah, I was going to say it is more of an, an experience and you don't necessarily need to go back frequently Uh, I remember not being particularly impressed by by my food and I also did think it was kind of frustrating because by the time we reached the end of a meal they had already circled back to the beginning of the what we had already seen so I kind of thought that part wasn't well done but it was really cute how you were in little cars and yeah I think that's one if you have kids they're gonna love that because it's like you're sitting in a car it's like you're at a drive-in theater you know it's great for a photo op 
Um, I definitely think it's a place to try. I think the 50s primetime uh, cafe is similar where the food isn't maybe necessarily going to blow you away. It's kind of like those like maybe old comfort foods that your mom would have made when you were growing up. Um, so it's going to be a solid meal, but you're definitely there for the atmosphere and how you know the staff is kind of dressed like the 50s and it's taking you back in time. It's more about the whole experience of it than necessarily hey, this is going to have food that blows you away. So again, I mean, I think these places are places at least worth trying once, you know, again, just for the experience of them. And then moving on to Magic Kingdom, and again, kind of mentioned this briefly, but I feel like this is the weakest in terms of, of restaurants, especially quick service. I feel like a lot of the quick service places are all very similar options. This is definitely the one that probably has the most traditional theme park food at all of the quick service restaurants that you know kind of looking at the list I kind of struggle to be like okay what's my favorite because I feel like they all kind of blend in together to a certain extent but looking at the quick service list and I think this again kind of tells you a lot of what you need to know the first one on the list is Main Street Bakery which is I wait let me guess let me guess go ahead um is it a Panera Bread Incorrect. It is another oh, Starbucks. Oh, darn, darn. I really wish I would have gotten that correct. So it's another <laughs> Starbucks, and that's the first one on the quick service list. So again, a Starbucks is kind of beating out all the other options. But then you have Columbia Harbor House, Casey's Corner, Pico's Bills, Tall Tale Inn and Cafe, and the Friars Nook. Again, I think it, it, it tells you a lot that a Starbucks is top on the list. Yeah, again, to me, the, a lot of these kind of, you know, blend together. I mean, they, they do have some different options. You know, Casey's Corner, if you want like a, a chili dog, you know, that they have you covered there. Pico's Bill is kind of like Tex-Mex, I want to say. You know, they have fajitas, Southwest salads, but they also have burgers and kind of more traditional American fare. For me, Columbia Harbor House, I think in terms of on this list is probably yes. my favorite. I, I think that was really good. I also like, and it's not on this list, but like Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. I think that, you know, it was pretty fun when we ate there last time, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, Sunny Eclipse. They have an animatronic kind of doing like a lounge show there. And again, when a lot of the quick service restaurants, a lot of their foods kind of, you know, blend in together, that little extra atmosphere uh, kind of elevates it for me. So I, I am a fan of Cosmic Rays. And just to kind of go back to Columbia Harbor House, that is kind of seafood. So they have you know salmon there. You can get lobster rolls, but they also have chicken uh, and some other food as well. And just one final note on there. They also have a plant-based crab cake sandwich, which I found to be really interesting. So, you know, even though they were really high, like if you're a seafood lover, that definitely seems like the place that you'd want to go. Or if you're a person that likes seafood, um, but you know, you don't eat it anymore. Like crab cakes are amazing. So I think that this is a place that next time I'm in Magic Kingdom, I would love to check out because I think that would be really cool to try. Yeah. And then if you're somebody that, that likes kind of the imagineering and backstories of these restaurants, you know, Pico's Bill's, yeah. Definitely is good. All the tall tales, kind of, you know, Paul Bunyan and, and kind of those, you know, Western legends and things, you know, each of the rooms has memorabilia from all of them. And so they really fill this backstory. And the whole idea is that, you know, Pico's Bill ran this establishment and all these people kind of came through and, and they left memorabilia. So, you know, if you're somebody that's interested in that, it is worth going to, uh, you know, for that as well. And then wrapping up for Magic Kingdom's table service restaurants, we have the Jungle Navigation Skipper Canteen, 
Liberty Tree Tavern, Cinderella's Royal Table, The Crystal Palace, and Be Our Guest Restaurant. So I feel like a lot of these are very experiential as well. You know, a lot of these are are great if you have kids and you want to take them for a really nice, memorable character lunch with princesses. You know, you have the Royal Table and Be Our Guest, which are really famous for that um, and hard to get into. And then you know, the Skipper Canteen also is very experiential because it's basically like an extension of the Jungle Cruise. So you have your wait staff who kind of come around and tell you jokes and they're funny or they're kind of punny and and they're really it's it's a very interesting place to go to. Uh, I know when we went there last time, I wasn't particularly impressed with my food. I actually thought it was not good. It was still a really cool place to go and experience. And I think that, you know, if you're especially if you really like the Jungle Cruise, you probably would really enjoy it. I know that you actually you and your dad liked the food there. So I think it was just what I had wasn't particularly tasty. Yeah, I mean, I think with with the Skipper Canteen, like you said, I mean, I think the food was decent. But again, it wasn't necessarily something that I necessarily thought was worth the elevated price because you like you said, you're definitely paying for the atmosphere for being an extension of the Jungle Cruise. Uh, and it's table service, so you know the sit-down restaurants are definitely costing more. So, you know, you're looking at maybe twenty-five to thirty-dollar average cost per plate versus you know a quick service, which is maybe around the fifteen dollars. So, for me, I don't necessarily think the food was worth it to go there often. I mean, I definitely think out of this list, that's probably your best option, and I can kind of get into get into more of that, but. You know, I thought the food was good. I, I know you maybe didn't like what what you had ordered, but I would give it another shot. But again, it's not something that, you know, for thirty dollars, I'm going to be running to mm-hmm. every single time I go. Yeah, at the Liberty Tree Tavern, they have a Patriots platter that has like a, an assortment of different foods on it, and one of those is pot roast, which I always thought was really good. And then also they have a meatless meatloaf, which I think is a very interesting choice. So if you're a meatloaf fan. Uh, and I'm not talking about the singer. <laughs> I was just going to say that, not the singer. Uh, this might be a, a very interesting choice for you. Meatloaf was never one of my favorites. <laughs> well, what if the singer Meatloaf went vegetarian? Then he would be a meatless meatloaf. <sighs> that one took me a second to get, but yes, that was that was a good one, Joe. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, again, as we've mentioned a, a million and a half times, Magic Kingdom definitely needs to step up their food game. I think they're more focused on this is the park that everyone wants to come and visit, but they don't necessarily worry as much about the food. And I think that that's sorely a bad call on their part. The thing with the table service restaurants in the Magic Kingdom, and I think this is what is part of the issue with them, is you know out of this list, three of them are character meet and greets or some sort of special prefix menu. And so you're paying a lot more money than even yeah. just a regular table service. So we already talked about the Jungle Navigation Skipper Canteen. And I definitely think just in terms of pure table service, that is probably my go-to pick. Again, just because there's not many table service options there. And again, the food was good, but it's not like it's something I'm going to a lot. We, we typically are eating quick service at the Magic Kingdom when we go um, just because yeah, it's cheaper, and again, the the table service hasn't really blown us away. But then, yeah, like Liberty Tree Tavern has not been a place we've you know been to before. Again, I mean, I, I don't know. There's really anything on the menu that is 
interesting enough for us to make it worth going to. But maybe sometime we'll try just to kind of for completeness purposes. Um, but I'm not sure that there's really anything there that yeah, really jumps out of like, hey, we have to go there. Well, if we have park hoppers, let me just say that we probably would move on over to uh, Hollywood Studios or Avcot to eat for the day. But with kind of some of the other options, you know, on this list, we've eaten at Be Our Guest before, but it was kind of shortly after it opened when it was still a la carte and you could order off the menu and it was you know, much more reasonable uh, in terms of price to eat there. It definitely is um, a great atmosphere, seeing kind of the different rooms of the castle. But now it's a prefix menu. So it costs $62 for an adult or oh $37 goodness. for a child. And it's a very limited menu. So they have like a filet, a chicken dish, pork tenderloin, um, and they have like a vegetable option. But they only have, I think, like five different entree options. Where as before, when you went... And I think we went for lunch. They had a lot of different like soups and sandwich options and desserts, but they've definitely tried to move it more towards this prefixed menu to try to get people in and out more. So for $62 and a limited menu option, I just don't see that as worth it anymore versus like, again, when we went and it was something like you could order off a menu and have that experience, but you're maybe paying 15 or $20 a person instead of $62 a person. And then with Crystal Palace and Cinderella's Royal Table, it's a similar kind of thing. You're paying for the character meet and greet. So you're paying to eat with Cinderella. You're paying to see the characters. And Crystal Palace is a, a buffet as well. And so I think, again, the issue with them is it's, it's just so expensive. So not only do you have limited options in terms of table service, but the options you do have are very expensive because you're paying for to see the characters or you're paying for, you know, kind of this prefix menu. So that's why I said, I mean, I think your best options are, are honestly probably Skipper Canteen. And again, we haven't been there, but Liberty Tree Tavern, just because they are the more reasonable priced options uh, in terms of the table service. Now, obviously, if you want to see Cinderella, if you want to see the characters, you're going to pay for that, but you're definitely going to be paying a hefty premium for the chance to, eat in you know cinderella's royal table and something like that which again it's not gonna be something you're gonna do every time you know yeah and, and i think when you're looking at kind of a top restaurant it's gonna be someplace that you can go to again and again and you're not gonna want to pay 62 dollars to go to be our guest every time you go at least i don't think so i mean unless your kid <laughs> really loves beauty and the beast but i think even then you'd have to say i don't know let's go do enchanted tales with bell instead it's free yeah. And we'll save that money and buy some souvenirs. So that wraps up the theme parks. Just want to touch really quickly on some of our picks for favorite places to eat in Disney Springs because there's a lot of additional options to eat at Disney Springs. So just kind of quickly run through some of my favorite places to eat. Um, again, just to kind of give our listeners some ideas of some options. But I like Deluxe Burger. I think that's a, a, a good place to eat if you're looking for a, a burger and a shake. I think that's a, a great option. It's right on the water there. It's kind of the most picturesque area of Disney Springs, kind of that landing area where you have that blue water and everything. It looks like the Caribbean. Yeah. The Imagineers did a great job there. So I love just sitting there and being able to you know eat there and, and Deluxe Pretending burger. it's your backyard. Exactly. Deluxe Burger is right on the water. So I think that's a great option. You know, we ate at the Edison. Again, I think this is one where the food is is decent. It's maybe not you know going to wow you in terms of food, but it's really uh, an interesting vibe and kind of dynamic. I think yeah. it's much more of a place... 
if you wanted to go get a drink or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, it, you know, if you're later at night and you're just looking for like a cocktail or something uh, and maybe some like appetizers, that's probably the, the better route to go uh, for the Edison. But I think it's definitely worth just going in there for kind of the steampunk feel and kind of artwork and vibe that they have laid out there. And then if you're looking for dessert, we went to Giardelli last mm-hmm. time and I'm kind of now a convert in terms of Giardelli, uh, in terms of like their shakes and everything, because it was really good. We had, I don't even know what it was. It was like a chocolate fudge ganache um, shake. I think it was mint. It was mint it chocolate. It was a mint chocolate chip. Yeah. yeah. And it was uh, it was delicious. So I think you know, that's a great place to go uh, if you're looking for a dessert. Yeah. So I think for me, my favorite is the Polite Pig. Uh, it's an interesting restaurant. They have a, a lot of you know nice sides that you can get. You can get like multiple sides and then kind of create your own like plate out of it and this is all like barbecue right so if you're a fan of barbecue you have that but like you said they have a interesting take on some sides so i know they have like barbecue cauliflower sweet potato tots mac and cheese you know and then all you know just kind of the regular barbecue as well exactly like it's a really great place to go for everyone i know that when i went there i think it was the cauliflower that i didn't love but you know the mac and cheese was really delicious and i think i didn't order the sweet potato tots and i would love to do that because i've never had a sweet potato tater tater tot so that sounds like something that would be delicious and then of course as joe mentioned the gr deli soda was amazing i really enjoyed raglan road i think that it's a really awesome option especially if you're gluten-free i know that there that's a hard thing to kind of find really good options for sometimes and there's actually they have a gluten-free fryer there so you can get like deep fried scallops so that was really delicious and i think it was really interesting and then as far as like table service is concerned we actually haven't been to chef arts but a bunch of the desserts there sound absolutely amazing and they also have some really interesting takes like they don't have chicken and waffles they have chicken and donuts which i found to be a really interesting twist and they also have short wit ribs which a lot of people really enjoy but they have a moonshine cake there they have a hummingbird cake and they also have a chocolate pecan pie so i think that i would love to just go there solely for the desserts yeah so those are just a few of our you know favorite options at Disney Springs. I think Disney Springs has a lot of great options for food and it's because you know that's also catering to locals there because it's not within a theme park so you have yeah. a lot of you know big name chefs there as well so like you mentioned you know chef chef art Smith's homecoming you have Haleo by Jose Andreas you have Morimoto's so you have a lot of like great options there from some like really well-known chefs. And so, you know, you're pulling people that are there on vacation, but you're also pulling locals in there as well. So I think you have a lot of great options uh, at Disney Springs to eat at. And again, it's a great vibe. The only thing with Disney Springs is it can get very crowded, um, especially at night uh, when it's busy, because again, anybody can kind of go there. You don't need a ticket to get in. So it can get very crowded. So you'll definitely try to make reservations, try to get there early if you're looking to get into a specific restaurant. If you don't really care where you're going, it's maybe not that big a deal. But that wraps up the show for this week. We'd love to hear from our listeners what your favorite 
restaurant options are throughout all the theme parks. Is there a restaurant that's your go-to restaurant every time you're there? And again, we only talked about the theme parks specifically and Disney Springs. We really didn't get into the hotels or, yeah. or anything like that. There's even more options there. I mean, you could have a whole other episode just on the options at the hotels. Oh but we would goodness. love to hear you know, what your favorites are in terms of quick service, table service, you know, character, meet and greets. You know, what are the options that you love the most but you can let us know over on our facebook page enchanted ears i want to thank everybody again for listening this week if you've not done so please leave us a rating or or a review subscribe wherever you get your podcast it really helps and we really appreciate it thanks for lending us your ears have a great week everybody and we'll see you here next monday bye-bye